0: Hey friends, thanks for checking out the podcast for Cornerstone Church. Today is going to be a little bit different. We had recording difficulties in our Sunday morning gatherings, so I'm just going to be sharing the Word as if you're sitting here with me. I'm in my office this morning, and uh, we had a really powerful Sunday, so I hope that the Word and the Spirit can stir your heart wherever you might be listening this morning. Um, we, we, We talked about the journey or the quest of finding yourself. We, we live in a generation that I think it's safe to say is obsessed with ourself, endlessly pursuing um, what makes us unique and, and just living in this cultural moment where we've cast off all restraint that no one can stand in the way of how we think or how we're supposed to live or who we are. But at the end of the day, this is just a symptom um, of really the desperate desire of humanity to connect with their purpose, their why. Um, we, we don't want to just find out the reason for our existence but, uh, for, for existence, but for our specific existence. Why do we exist? The fact is you and I only have one life. And James tells us that we are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes a mist or a vapor so the ultimate truth is that we don't want to waste our mist we don't want to waste our lives we want to connect with our purpose with our why and my hope is as we go through the scriptures today as you're listening that god's spirit begin to burn within you in this this place of connecting with man this is why god has put me on the earth would begin to come become increasingly more clear. Now on the podcast it's hard to see but go YouTube uh, an Ancestry.com video, uh, Growing Up We Were German. It's this amazing video where in, in 40 seconds it's, it's worth your uh, searching it uh, on the internet or on YouTube. But Growing Up We Were German and then he f- takes this DNA test and finds out we're not German at all, we're Scottish. And the one-liner is um, So I traded my later lederhosen for a kilt. And man, I, I just so connected with this simple little commercial that how many of us grow up living out of someone else's story, living out of someone else's script, and never realizing uh, just the unique calling that God has on our life. And so my desire is that we would all begin to trade our lederhosen for a kilt. In other words, that we wouldn't live out of someone else's story, but the story that God and Christ has for us. So our passage, Ephesians chapter 4, 7 through 16. To each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended lower than the earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all of the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So we're in this series in the book of Ephesians and Paul, the first three chapters, has taken us on some of the most amazing mountain peaks of the redemption that God in Christ has made available through us, through his death, resurrection. And here he takes us to something we don't talk enough about in the church. What does the ascension of Christ mean? After he died and rose again and then for 40 days taught and um, just imparted the kingdom to his disciples and appeared to well over 500 people. But his ascension, what does his ascension mean? And so here uh, we have this vision of the king after he has conquered and and defeated the enemy and overthrown the enemy. Um, as he ascends and as he um, sort of goes to his place of glory. It's this vision of the king sharing the spoils of war with his people. And so those of us who are in Jesus, who placed our faith in Jesus, Christ's ascension to the right hand of the Father with all authority in heaven and earth at his right hand, that in his ascension, he has made a categorically new way to be human possible. Paul's already talked about at length in the first three chapters of Ephesians. And so Christ's ascension means that there's not a square inch on the earth or in the universe of which Christ's grace and victory has not touched. His ascension means that there is nothing in heaven or on earth, there is no power of hell, sin, sickness, disease, death, darkness. Nothing can stand between you who have placed your faith in Jesus Christ and the grace that he has made available on and for your life. Nothing can stand between you and God's purposes because Christ has ascended. The victory of Jesus... And his ascension means that in his victory, he has poured out various gifts and graces upon his people. The enemy's been defeated through his death and resurrection. Nothing, nothing, nothing has the authority or the right to stand in between you and the destiny, which is always tied to the grace that Jesus has poured out on your life nothing, not the deepest or darkest sin, nothing, because Christ has ascended and filled all things with his redemptive potential and power. Your destiny and your identity flows from the grace that God in Christ has poured out on your life. Did you know that you have a unique gift, a unique grace, a unique calling that Jesus Christ himself has bestowed upon you? So how do you figure this out? These are some very, very practical points that I'm going to whisk through. Um, We could talk about them at length, but I'm going to try to breeze through them. Number one, in your quest to find the grace on your life or your calling, to find you, you've got to start with Him, Jesus Christ. This is where so many of us get off track from the very beginning. In order to find out the why of your life, you've got to take into account the one who is life itself or himself. When we look at him, Jesus Christ, we discover that he made us in his image. Therefore, every human on the planet at at the underlying creation, uh, created in his image uh, uh, foundation, we were created for three things. First of all, to be in relationship with God. We know this by being created in his image. We were created uh, to love others and to love ourselves. And then from Genesis 1 and Genesis 2, we were created to rule, subdue, fill the earth by being fruitful and by multiplying. Every human being on the planet is born with these basic instructions and with this basic potential. To find you, you've got to start with him. Your worth as a person is inherent by sheer virtue of your ontology or or by sheer virtue of being made in God's image, your worth is inherent, not instrumental. In other words, you're not valuable to God because of what you do or what you've done. You're valuable to God because you've got breath in your lungs, blood flowing through your veins, thoughts filling your minds. Your value is inherent because you are made in God's image. We were made for God and we were given the charge by God to make something of our world by forming families, building communities that flourish to till up the unbridled potential of the world, harnessing it for the good of our fellow image bearers. To find you, you've got to look to him. This will save you from venturing down so many different paths that will lead to your demise, destruction, and despair. But secondly... To find you, you've got to look to Him. But because we're born into a world that has fallen from God's original purpose and intention, because of sin, to find you, you actually have to deny yourself to begin to live out the purpose that God has for you. I know this is completely counterintuitive and completely countercultural, but it is the it is central to the gospel of King Jesus. Because we're born into sin. Every human on the planet now has to experience a new birth, being born by the Holy Spirit or being born again, whereby through repentance and faith in Jesus and his work atoning work on the cross, and because of his resurrection, Jesus Christ has opened the way for a brand new life now that lasts on into eternity. So to find your life, don't start with you, start with him. But because you and I are born into sin, rebellious, at odds with God's purposes and intention and law, we have to experience being born again through repentance and faith by the Holy Spirit. Uh, we, we, We find ourselves by following and being formed by Jesus Christ, the one who is life itself. Paul talks about this all the time. Put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, being made new in the attitude of your minds. There's all of this language in Ephesians 4, Colossians 3, Romans chapter 12. Uh, It's central to Jesus. Deny yourself so that you can live. In other words, you can gain the whole world in trying to build your own kingdom, build your own identity, working on building your own self for your own purposes, but you forfeit your very life or your soul. The reason why we got to deny ourselves to find ourselves is because being born into sin, the fruit of our life, however hard we try to to, to cover it up and uh, to just polish up the outside, Jesus tells us in Mark 7, from within, out of someone's heart comes sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly all of these evils come from inside and defile a person. These we inherit within ourselves because of human rebellion and sin against God righteousness and holiness. So to find you, you've got to start to him and as you get a vision of him and being made in his image, you realize that because of sin that image is marred and mucked up because of our sinfulness. And so to find yourself, you've got to lose yourself by taking up your cross and following Jesus Christ. You deny yourself, you die to yourself, you pick up the cross, you trade the life you once lived and that you were obsessed with building to receive the life that Jesus literally died to give you. In order to discover who, what Jesus, who Jesus actually created us to be, we've got to come to grips with the fact that we have chosen a path apart from him And by bringing our sins, our actions, and our self, our nature, and propensities to the cross, we discover a life we could never reach or or attain to on our own, apart from His grace and His power. To to the modern mind or the postmodern mind, this sounds totally unfair. Deny myself, restraint, die who are you, church? Who are you, Bible? Who are you, Jesus Christ, to tell me to deny myself? This is completely uh, blows against the cultural wind that says, be what you want, do what you want. Don't let anyone restrict you or get in your way. But beloved, Jesus and the good news of the gospel totally lovingly confronts our cultural narrative because of his goodness, because Jesus Christ knows that The lie of of progress, the lie that humans are somehow evolving and getting more, uh, we're more capable to rule the world on our own. This lie that was unleashed, you know, 100, 150 years, really a lie that we've been believing from the beginning when the enemy told us to take the fruit, to be able to name good and evil on our own. Jesus Christ and the gospel confronts us squarely in love, his loving fiery eyes penetrate our heart, our very core and says, trust me, the way that you think seems right will end in your death and the death of those around you, of your cities and of your nations. You've got to bring that rebellious self to the cross, die with me there and allow my spirit to resurrect you in the life that you dream to live. But apart from me, you could never reach. You've got to bring yourself to the cross. I'm calling you to deny the source, your heart, of your rebellion, your sin, and your heartache all that is wrong with the world is a fruit of the heart of humanity bent on self and built on sin racism prejudice manipulation war greed abuse etc i'm calling you to deny that so that you can experience the life that i've always intended and the life that i jesus christ exhibited so that you could experience it for yourself to find you you've got to start with him number one and then to experience life, you've got to trade your life, the life characterized by selfishness and sin, for a life that is marked by faith, hope, and love, that is all made possible through the grace of Jesus Christ. Third, to find yourself—you again—the cultural lie—you know—find yourself. Go just be you at the expense of everyone else, not the gospel, not the Bible, not Jesus Christ. To find yourself. Find yourself within the context of Christian community called the church. There is a shared underlying vocation that every single Jesus follower has in common. There's so much about who you and I are created to be that isn't a mystery that's been revealed and that is seen and experienced within the context of Christian community. We're all made to be loved, to show and share love, and then to make disciples of the nations. These are the bedrock Foundational, preeminent callings of every Christ follower on the planet. Love God. Remember, we love because he first loved us. Love people. Love your neighbor as yourself. And make disciples of all the nations. We exist for God. We're summoned to be full-fledged participants in the grand story of God's redemption and renewal of all things through Jesus Christ. We find ourselves by being caught up in his story. And when we run in his story with all of our hearts, we are filled with the capacity, the power, the grace to shift history for God's glory. We've got to submit to the community of Jesus Christ. We are not lone rangers. God in his infinite wisdom and because of his ascension and giving grace to his people, we will never reach our full potential alone. We need each other. We need Christian community. And by participating in this shared vocation to love God, to love our neighbor, to love ourselves, to make disciples, which is in other words to say we are to go train people on how to truly live by finding life that's centered on, that flows from the source and the fountain of all life, Jesus Christ. This is what discipleship is. To love, trust, obey, and follow Jesus, His ways, His words, and to do His work. Fourth, in addition to finding yourself within community, God in His wisdom has given grace to people within His community, His body. That actually unlocks our potential for life. He ascends. He's at the right hand of the Father. He gave gifts to his people. These gifts are not just functions uh, you know, you know, like in Romans chapter 12, like leadership or generosity or hospitality. They're not just uh, manifestations like prophecy or words of wisdom or words of knowledge or miracles, etc. in 1 Corinthians 12. But the gifts that he's actually given are are people who carry different facets of the fullness of Jesus Christ and that when we work together and the grace on people's lives, leaders in the church who together help create a culture where every single person in Christ can reach their God-given potential. Jesus, in his infinite wisdom, when he rose and then when he ascended, he dispersed different parts of himself to leaders so that when he ascended, his presence and fullness didn't diminish on the earth, but that it's continuing to be manifest on the earth as the Christian community experiences the fullness of Jesus Christ by by seeing and living into the grace that he's given to people. We find ourselves... By, by submitting to Christian community, and then by, by receiving the various grace gifts that people carry, that, that, pe- that there's literally people in Christian community who carry a grace that can activate, call out, and commission us to live into our dis- destiny. The passage goes on in Ephesians 4. The gifts Jesus gave were that some would be apostles, some to be prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and teachers. Those are people to equip, which in the original language is like setting the bone for surgery to equip the saints for the work of ministry, which is really a lifestyle of servanthood for building up the body of Christ until all of us, not anyone left out, come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to maturity. This is for every single Christ follower, to the measure of the full stature of Christ. Maturity is communion with Christ and growing in the likeness of Christ. And out of this, we we are all raised up to express our own unique vocation with clarity, conviction, and compassion. So from our passage, we see that when Jesus rose, he gave various dynamics of who he is, the fullness of who he is, and he gave them to leaders, to people who would then function and be able to activate the various nuances of every single person who follows Christ, that their potential would be unearthed and realized as we work together, being built up as the body of Jesus and reach maturity in Jesus. This is God's infinite wisdom. We were born again through the imperishable seed of Jesus. So every single Christ follower who's been born of the Holy Spirit carries a piece of the very DNA of Jesus. Jesus, Paul tells us, is the firstborn of many sons and many daughters. So what are these, these various, these various uh, grace, these leadership gifts, these graces? The apostle, the apostle is just a sent one. Jesus is the ultimate apostle. He was sent by the Father to save the world. He's the apostle, the sent one, of our faith, Hebrews chapter 3. Jesus is the prophet that Moses said in Deuteronomy 18 would come, who would pour out his life for the least of these, who would stand with the marginalized, who would challenge and critique the principalities and powers of manipulation and oppression. He's the ultimate prophet who lived out of every word that his father spoke from his lips. He knew the will and purposes of God. He is the prophet. Jesus is the ultimate evangelist who came to seek and to save the lost. The one who gave up his seat at the table, who took on humanity's skin and bone, became one of us to make space at God's table for us. Relationship. He's the evangelist who announced and embodied the good news that through Jesus Christ, God is remaking the world. He's saving the world by his grace and his love. Jesus is the good shepherd or pastor who lays down his life for his sheep and who guides us to pastures for our flourishing by streams of living water for our restoration. And man, Jesus is the teacher. Jesus says, I am your teacher. His ways, His words and his work form the content, shape the character, and empower the conduct of the life of every disciple. Jesus is saying, back to our passage in Ephesians 4, Paul is saying that the fullness of Christ, apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, or pastor, or teacher, Jesus carried all of these, but when he ascended, he dispersed parts of these to people. That within the context of Christian community would continue to manifest his fullness on the earth as he is at the right hand of the Father. Within the body of Christ, there is room for every son and daughter to discover the nuance and the necessity of who they are and why they were put on the planet. Remember, to find you, number one, you've got to start with him. Number two, as you discover he's made you in his image, he's made you for relationship. You deny yourself to find yourself. Number three, you submit yourself to Christian community. Number four, within Christian community, remember, God has dispersed his fullness so that there are people within Christian community who help you discover and unlock your potential because of the grace on their life. They help you discover the grace on your life. These gifted leaders exist to point people and to form people in Jesus. I cannot say this loudly or definitively enough. Leaders do not exist to gather people around themselves, but who, if you go back to our passage in Ephesians 4, the goal is full maturation, full maturity being built up into the head that is Jesus. Leaders exist not to do the work of ministry themselves, but to enlist, empower, equip, and encourage the entire body of Jesus Christ to reach unity in the faith, what we believe about Jesus and knowledge of Jesus, how how to equip people to have an ongoing encounter relationship with Jesus, and how to dial into their unique calling or vocation through modeling and mentoring, teaching, and training. So what do each of these different uh, people carry? What do the apostles carry for the body of Christ? What are the prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers? Very quickly, I'm borrowing heavily from Alan Hirsch, from Dan White Jr., from, from, from J.R. Woodward. There's many people who have written about this extensively. And so I give credit to where it's due. So what do these different um, leaders carry within the body of Christ? And why is it important for them to function? in the body so that every son and daughter can reach their God-given potential. Well, apostles are those who, I love this word, they catalyze and they commission. These are the pioneers, the planters, those that are just obsessed with the fullness of the kingdom, the DNA, a discipleship ethos, those who are concerned about heaven coming to earth, the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. This I, I, I view this as sort of the heart apostles which again just means sent ones they extend the gospel they make sure that the faith is transmitted from one context to another I'm quoting here from Hirsch from one generation to the next they're always thinking about the future they're bridging they're, they're bridging barriers they're establishing the church in new contexts, developing leaders etc etc in other words they're the pioneers. Why do we need pioneers in the church? Well, the, the moment we stop pioneering and seeing the gospel transferred into new generations and context, the moment it dies. I mean, just look at Europe and even all of the statistics and trends of Americas. We need the apostolic grace functioning within the body of Christ that lead us, that call us out of our comfort, our safety and our security, out to the edge of risk and faith to see the gospel transmitted. We need this functioning. We need pioneers to activate us to reach our full potential. Prophets. Prophets, they expose and they embody. Prophets expose the areas and the ways that we've come into agreement with the principalities and powers of this age. They, they, expose, that, they expose us to God's covenant. They expose us to God's will, God's purposes, God's voice, what's happening in the spiritual heavenly realms. And they call us, To embody the covenant that God has made available in Jesus. They expose the ways that we manipulate and marginalize. They call us to covenant faithfulness. They call us to walk in the the mind of Christ and to live out of the voice of of God for the time. They discern the will of God for the time. They are the eyes and the ears. Prophets know God's will and they call us to obey God's will today. They bring correction and they challenge us and, and, and they, they they are the questioners in the organization, uh, That the dominant presumptions and assumptions that we inherit from our culture. And they call us to obey God's ways instead of the ways of this world. We need the apostles. We need the prophets. Evangelists, they invite and they excite. These are the welcomers, those that proclaim the gospel in word and deed. These represent the mouth of God. We desperately need evangelists. They're they're infectious. They communicate the gospel. They recruit people. to. They challenge us to think about those on the outside, not just cater to those on the inside. They are obsessed with calling people to personally respond to God's call to redemption in Jesus. Oh my goodness, we need the grace of the evangelist running wild within the body of Christ so that we all can reach our potential. Man, we need pastors and shepherds. These are the guides and the guards, guardians. They shepherd, they they create contexts of healing and caregiving and nurturing, uh, a context of connecting. These represent the hands, the loving hands that nurture and protect. They focus on protection and spiritual maturity, uh, creating a, a flock, a family, a loving and spiritual mature network of relationships, shepherds value stability. And we need stability. They also, they, but we need all of it. We need apostles, pioneers. We need prophets, those who agitate us and call us to covenant faithfulness. We need evangelists that call us to welcome those on the outside and draw them and call them in. And we need shepherds that once they come in, they find this community, this family that is that has a, a place for every person to be to cultivate life-giving and loving relationships. We need teachers who interpret and inform so that we can be a learning maturity, that we're formed by the truth and through the truth who help us. These represent, this represent the mind and the body. Teachers understand and they explain. We need communicators of the truth and wisdom to help us to live out of the narrative of scripture, not the narrative of culture. We need teachers to train us and to teach us how to discern God's will as it's been revealed through the scriptures and the scriptures that point us to Jesus. We need all of these graces so that together as they're functioning, it creates this context or the environment for every son and daughter of the father to discover their own unique calling and vocation. Another great way, I I love uh, uh, Woodward and White's book, uh, uh, Church as Movement. They talk about these graces, these leader, leadership gifts functioning within the church. They create a kind of environment very quickly, um, and I'm going to provide these notes. You can download them on our website. The apostles create a, f- a thriving environment, helping the community get go out into new territory to live out their missional sent vocation in their neighborhoods network. By making and creating, multiplying disciples and ministries and communities, we need a thriving environment. Prophets create, help create a liberating environment, creating, a, pursuing God's idea of shalom and righteousness and peace, that a liberating environment that 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 contends to have this spirit-charged environment where the spirit of the Lord is. There is liberty or freedom. Evangelists help create a welcoming environment where we're always making space for the other, for the outsider to find a place at the table of fellowship. Pastors help create, shepherds create a healing environment where people are able to experience reconciliation and forgiveness and, 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 and breakthrough from their past hurts and to move forward into the sense of wholeness and community. It's a healing environment. And we need teachers to help us create a learning environment. Where we can live out of God's story, God's truth, God's ways, where we can learn to teach one another what it means to be the people of God on the earth today. I love this idea of environments. You can check it out more on our website. So how do we figure out within the context of all of this, my goodness, what is the specific grace on our life? To be clear, we don't go around saying, oh, that's the apostle, that's the prophet, whatever. It's all about Jesus. Go back to our passage, Ephesians 4. But he's given us these gifts, these graces that people carry on the earth so that the fullness of Christ can be manifested through the church for the glory of God. So how do we begin to discern this? Well, again, what was the purpose of these these, grit, these gifts, these graces through the ascension of Jesus Christ? Well, verse 14 of Ephesians 4 says, Then we will no longer be infants, blown and tossed back and forth by the waves, or, or the wind, and blown and tossed by every wind of, of teaching and the cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up unto him who is the head, that is Christ." From him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work." So the grace that God has given to these these leaders is A, to create this ministry, this servanthood mentality that we're in this thing. We find our lives by giving our lives away in service to the body, to one another. And that as we do that, we begin to discover and discern the specific vocation and grace on our life, that, that, that space we're meant to occupy so that the fullness of Christ is experienced and embodied and then manifested. So th- really quick, how do I discover the grace on my life or the gift specifically? Number one, ability. I love this. You're going to see it in our notes. What are you good at? What do you have promise in? What do you love? What do you have a passion for? Ability. God didn't give you the gifts, talents, and abilities for a mistake. He didn't make a mistake when he made you. What are the abilities that you carry? Number two, your affinity. What are you passionate about or care about? I like to say it this way. What makes you happy, sad, mad, or glad? God gave you those passions. There's things you care about that others don't. There's a reason for that. And instead of creating a culture where we're only passionate about this one thing, we want to become a church and a people that we're able to allow kingdom passion to just run wild. That your thing doesn't have to be my thing. My thing doesn't have to be your thing. The point is there's going to be someone that's going to come alive when they hear about your passion or what you care about. So ability, affinity, and then affirmation. What do others that you love and that you're in a relationship with affirm about you that God uses you when you're doing it. This is not an end-all tell-all, but the ability, affinity, affirmation is an amazing way for you to begin to discern and discover what it is God is uniquely calling you to be and to do. And again, back to the environments, this thriving, liberating, welcoming, healing, learning, all of these grace, the pioneer, the, the embody, the excite. the the welcoming, man, this grace, the fullness of Jesus functioning and flourishing within community, you are going to bump into passion and desire and vocation. You just will. Christ gave these gifts to prepare us for the goal of living a lifestyle of servanthood. Guys, we find our life by giving our life away. And the goal is that the body of Christ would be built up. Why does he care, Paul, in this passage? Why is it important that the body is built up? Because his body is meant to display the fullness of Jesus on the earth, plain and simple. You go back to Ephesians 1, Ephesians 3. It is through the church that the glory of Jesus Christ is seen, shown, and experienced, and made manifest on earth the earth. Christ is the head. We are his body. He really, really cares that in your quest to find yourself, that you find yourself within the context of the church and as you participate in his story and you begin to live out the grace on your life within the context of the community, my goodness, you are going to radiate a facet, a part of the grace of Christ that no one else will. As you tap into your potential within the context of all that we've said in this podcast, in this message, you will shine something of the goodness and glory and grace of Jesus that no one else will. And that is super exciting and amazing. Wow, I've, there's so much. I, I hope you're still listening, you're with me. God wants you to trade your later hosen back to that silly Ancestry.com video for the kilt, for the specific grace that he has for your life. You, if you're born again, you put your faith and trust in Jesus. You have that DNA of Jesus Christ. So the apostolic, the prophetic, the evangelist, the shepherd teacher, the the teacher, you have a leaning. There's something of the grace of God that he has dispersed on your life. And this doesn't mean you're going to go into full time, you know, pastoral ministry. Guys, these graces manifest in all of life. Entrepreneurs, those that are thinking about the future, those who are questioners and who never let us settle, those who are who are hospitable and that make a welcoming, caring, nurturing, connecting environment, those that are about people and about seeing people go to the next step, those who are about systems and truths, and you see how these graces manifest in all of life, in every different vocation, and all of the seven cultural streams and mountains. Guys, these graces are in your life. God wants to unearth them. Number five and then number six, and then we're done. We find our lives. We, we, we discover this grace by, by adopting a servanthood mentality. Guys, our head, Jesus Christ, our king, he came to serve and to give his life. And as we serve others and give our lives away for the gospel story and the redemption and renewal of all things, we will increasingly become aware of the specific call on our life. And number six, who you are in the world is as equally important as how you are in the world. Like what a bummer for you to discover who God's made you to be, but yet we divorce it from how God has called us to be, salt salt. In other words, our character matters as much as our conduct. When you discover and live out of who you are in Jesus, within the context of community, receiving the grace on other people's lives to help activate, to stir up, to commission you to live out of the grace of your life, you and I will reach our redemptive potential. All of this is in the context in closing that we have been, this is just the book of Ephesians alone, we've been chosen, we're made holy, we've been adopted, we are loved, we are redeemed through the blood of Jesus, we've been anointed and sealed with the Holy Spirit, we have been saved by grace through faith, we've been raised up and seated with Jesus, we've been made citizens and sons and daughters of God. That's just the first two chapters of Ephesians. This is our foundation, our identity, bedrock. And out of that, within the context of community, and because of the ascension of Jesus Christ, with the grace of Jesus, the fullness of Jesus, functioning in the body of Christ, you and I will begin to live out the masterpiece that God has created us to do good work, which he prepared in advance for us to do. So let me say a simple little prayer in closing. Jesus, I pray that every person listening to this, that you would activate the grace on their life. Lord, those listening to this, whether they're in a church community here at Cornerstone or somewhere else, or they're in between, God, I pray that you would highlight a body that they could run in, they would covenant with, to discover and discern the unique vocation and grace and calling on their life. Lord Jesus, we carry our crosses. We adopt this posture of being a servant. We serve as sons and daughters as we give our lives away of loving God, loving people, being a disciple who makes disciples, training and teaching people how to live a life that is centered on and that flows from the fountain of life that is Jesus, obeying and abiding in his ways, words, and works. God, as we do that, we are, I am confident you are going to activate the uniqueness of the nuance and the necessity of every one of your sons and daughters until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. Jesus, you are the point. You are the head. You are the one that we look to. And we just welcome your fullness functioning in our lives, in our church, in our families. In your mighty name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.